0: Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Ron, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening?
1: Well, <laughs> I was born in, uh, in the United States, uh, which I call the United States of America racist military empire. My father was a military uh, man he came up from the ranks. His favorite uh, general was Curtis LeMay, uh, who was the SAC uh Leader and uh, was a, a rabid anti-communist. So I was brought up in a very uh, American exceptionalism family. You know the America uber Alice, Some, you know, the, the the Nazis called Deutschland uber Alice. and basically the United States is a is a, is a is a semi-fascist country. It's never been a democracy. It took me, you know, some time to learn that. But actually, when I learned it first by joining the the military in 1956, when the Soviet Union came into Hungary, and I was sent to Japan. So I saw how, um, yeah, I saw how racism uh, was uh, was the effective uh, color. I say they divided whites and blacks. And this radar base, I was a radar operator, and the military commander allowed whites to go around the base with KKK on their, a ball cap. You know, uh, one time I went into the so-called black bar. In, in the Japan city. And uh, when I got back, uh, uh, I was, uh, you know, basically tortured. They took off my clothes and they spread DDT on my balls and hair. And uh, and they put my head under the sun in the, in the snow. So uh, I learned about, you know, the great American society, basically by being a GI who was not a racist. The commander of the base accepted all of this I have many, many racist stories that, that, uh, that, that actually laid the basis for my becoming what I would like to call a revolutionary. I, uh, I, uh, I'm not religious, uh, but I, uh, I think that the Marxism as an analysis is the, is the best analysis we have of the way societies are built. And the United States is the, the capitalist society, number one. And as long as we have capitalism, we'll never have peace. I think that's an introduction.
0: There's a, yeah, that, that's an interesting perspective because, like, I mean, I grew up and my grandpa, if you've mentioned anything bad about the military, you would just snap you know he was he was in vietnam and all that so there was a whole like not even don't even bring that up like you just got to drop the argument with it. and then once i became older and started learning a little bit more about covert action and other things i started finding more dissenting views about the military and this idea of like the, the american dream style thing and realized that it's kind of like a sham a little bit i mean when it comes more to the fact of like what is really built and it would be capitalism in my opinion i see a lot of that everywhere it's not this whole um, democracy i know the idea of democracy and everyone's got different views about it today but I'm curious when it comes to studying, like, I mean, did you look through history to get even to really solidify your view, or is it just from your experience? I mean, you're right for covert action, Mag. I came across your name from there, but I'm just curious how you even got, came across that in the first place. How to dive through the Kennedy assassination to even hear about it?
1: Well, uh, yeah, but actually it was Phil Agee. Uh, Phil Agee was probably the first whistleblower from the CIA, and uh, his son is the chief editor uh, of uh, covert action magazine and phil Agee started it along with uh, a handful of other people one of whom is still alive uh, lou wolf he started it in 1978 and um and around that time let me see uh i wrote this book uh backfire uh i was in this i was in cuba eight years uh, working for their uh, foreign media uh prince latina and uh, and a
0: um now were you stationed in cuba or was that just a trip no,
1: no I, i'm jumping i wasn't stationed there no i was <laughs> when i was in the military i was stationed in japan and uh, mississippi and oklahoma that was from 1956 to 1960 so when i got out of the service uh that was just the beginning of the 60s uh, uproar and i went to california and los angeles and uh, became um, a student in a, in a college, and um, and oh, it was the it was the election time, and Kennedy and Nixon. So I I was uh, just twenty one, and I had the right to vote, and uh, for the first and only time in my life, I voted for one of the two parties, and it ended up being Nixon because he seemed to be less less boisterous about anti communism than than <laughs> Kennedy, who who. You know, and oh, and I thought the worst of all religions was was the Catholics, and so uh, he was a Catholic. Um, and you know, and and when Kennedy first won, he uh, he he started sending advisors, as he called them, to Vietnam, and uh, he's he um, he uh, continued what Eisenhower and Nixon had wanted, uh, which ended up being the Bay of Pigs. He didn't like the idea. You know, he comes into office. And uh, right away, he's given, you know, the CIA plan, and he thought he should be his own president, but he went along with part of it. He didn't go along with uh, bombing them with the U.S.'s own planes. And that pissed off the CIA. Since it was such a fiasco, um, uh, he he ended up firing the top three men of the CIA, who were all involved in murdering him three years later. Uh, First, the the Director, Alan Dulles, the second director, vice president, uh, vice director was uh, Abel uh, uh, Cabell, uh, Cabell uh, Charles yeah Charles Cabell, whose brother was incidentally the um, but not coincidentally, was the uh, mayor of Dallas, yeah. where you know, where he was murdered. And uh, and then the third man was the head of uh, counter much of the counter uh, intelligence against Cuba, and all of the plans that they had against Cuba, I learned about firsthand when I, when I got there, and that was in eighty eight. So we're talking about twenty eight years later. So what? So my, my my roots are you know the American dream, the American exceptionalism, long live the Yankees. But I began to learn, as I said, somewhat in the. In Japan, that they're extremely, you know, that the the whole foundation of the United States is anti-democratic and racist and genocidal. I just got through reading uh, a a review of a book, which is on Covert Action Magazine, um, and uh, where the author comes up with a figure of around 300 million people that he's been able to research and come to conclusion that the United States has murdered in their uh, Two hundred plus years of history.
0: I know about Dag Hammarskjold, and I, I would put, I'm not Senator Frank Church, but I would put Hale Boggs up there. I'm just sorry when you look at that 19 whatever 71 interview that he does where he's calling out J. Edgar Hoover about wiretapping congressmen, and then his plane goes down like six months later in '72. I'm just like, I put a lot more weight into that one. I will say that.
1: Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it that the 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 CIA has, has has murdered many people. And some of them have come out, uh, and some of them write for the Covert Action magazine. And on, another very good one is uh, Consort- Consortium News. Yeah. And I just saw, I didn't get to see the whole thing, but Chris Hedges has just come out and said, we got to get rid of the CIA. Very few people have ever said that. When I was interviewed last, I said that there ought to be massive demonstrations in front of Langley uh, on a daily basis not only to free Julian Assange, but to free the world from their mafia. They are the the Wall Street's mafia, uh, the CIA is. Um, And, uh, you know, I got to know some of them. I got to know personally Phil Agee, um, John uh, Kiarkoa, another man who's died recently, well, let me see. Let's uh, spring. Uh, so, I was very involved in the the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement. I was in Mississippi in 1964, the long hot summer. I've been arrested many times, and they have a long, they have a big dossier on me. And in what uh, in the end of the 70s, I got a thousand pages of my dossier, you know, partially blacked out, most of it from the FBI, but also military intelligence, the CIA. And, you know, they followed me around and they did dirty tricks to me, but, you know, far worse, they've murdered many of us. And in Mississippi, it wasn't the CIA or FBI, but uh, the the racist uh, murdered uh, three of our workers. Uh, And then, of course, they murdered many black people before and after the civil rights movement. Could I talk
0: about some of your time in Cuba, though? Because we kind of skipped over that, but I got to know, was it like how everything is depicted? Like when you read a history book, they always talk about Castro being this horrible, ruthless dictator and just learning a lot of stuff about like all the assassination plots and stuff. I'm like, who's the ruthless person here? I mean, there's two different perspectives you start learning from like documentation compared to what's taught in history books. I'm curious what your time was like over there. I mean, was it as bad as history
1: books reflect? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> history books <laughs> who writes the history it's you know it, the, the history books are written by the the winners you know so the winners who are the winners in the united states well that's the republican and democratic parties it's the pentagon it's the cia so you know i wouldn't trust the history books of the united states Um uh, my eight years in history, my eight years of of, of living and working with, I, I was not a foreigner. I I was, I was uh, accepted by the, the state, the people. I had the the wage that any other journalist would have, and I've written six books about Cuba. The first book is called "Backfire: The CIA's Biggest Burn," and this is about uh, covert. I mean, Cubans. Who had jobs that allowed them to travel abroad? So, like one person that I sailed with, I, I sailed six months on Cuban ships around Cuba, delivering oil and back and forth to Europe uh, with cargo ships. And um, uh, and and our, our, one of the captains that I sailed with had been a CIA agent. They thought. Uh, he had been uh, like twenty. This is about twenty-seven of these double agents who the CIA recruited when they were abroad, you know, someplace, and they would find them at their hotels or at a bar or something. And 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 you know, and and the racist mentality of the CIA is that if they offer somebody from the third world, now some of the people in Cuba are are, are white and many are black and some are mulatto, uh, but uh, they're still considered the third world. And so the CIA expects that if you pay them a bunch of money, they'll do what you want them to do. Well, and of course, some do. And not everybody in the third world is, is a moral person. <laughs> and there are many traitors uh, to their own country. Um, so uh, I got to talk with uh, people who had worked for the CIA. And then at some point, the Cuban government. Called them out of the cold, so to speak, uh, for various reasons. So the people that I got to talk with, uh, mostly these 27 double agents, and I focused on a few in this book. They told me what they had done. Now, you could believe them or not, but aside from what they told me, I saw documentation. For instance, uh, one of my chapters is germ warfare that the that the United that the CIA. Was performing for many many years and perhaps still is. Um, so they they um, I have to, yeah germ warriors. Uh, one of the ways that I can prove that they were dropping bacteriological warfare, including dengue fever, which killed 101 children. Um, They also were dropping bacteriological warfare that spread diseases against crops, especially sugarcane, which was their major export crop, rice, which was one of their major foods, Um, uh, swine fever. They had to slaughter all of their 500,000 pigs. They had to slaughter. Now, how do we know this? Because the, the, the Cuban intelligence, even according to, to U.S. Uh, to CIA intelligence officers have said that they were one of the best uh, uh, intelligence forces in the world. You compare them with themselves and Mossad, uh, their their good friends, the Zionist Mossad uh, secret service, and uh, so they had so so the Cubans had machinery. They had they had uh, coding machinery. They had cameras, and when this the the double agents would go into the the, the CIA, right the, the U.S. government had a an office of interest in, in Havana. So they would come in and out of that. And, and they got their coded messages. I'll read a couple. This is to a woman, uh, a Cuban woman who was really working for the Cuban government and had been hired by the CIA. She later hired her own husband to be an agent. This is a message they got. Possibility of learning what types of dengue is known in Cuba, details about what virus sicknesses affect the population, medicines Cuba imports to, uh, you know, to help detract from the dengue fever. So this was sent to this agent. Her name is Maria sander and she was known as Agent Regina. Whoever from the CIA is listening to you, they know of this book, and they will recall her name, Rahina. that was what the CIA called her. She received this message two months before the dengue fever broke out in Cuba. And she received, so in all, the CIA double agents who were really working for the government of Cuba received 200 special messages like this about these diseases, either before they appeared or as they appeared or after they appeared and the CIA wanted to know what was the effect of this bacteria. So this is good proof in and of itself that they were doing this. Of course, we also know that they had with the military in, uh, Fort Fort Derrick, Maryland, they had laboratories that were producing these kinds of diseases. Um, um, and one of their double agents... Is it
0: Fort Derrick or Fort Dietrich? Dietrich, you're right. Okay.
1: Very good. Very. I know good. they
0: have the... Uh, the My mom went to the high school near where they kept the goats for that freaking lab. That oh, really? They were doing. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, live in yeah. Maryland, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's fine. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was called M-K... Ultra. Naomi.
0: Oh, Naomi.
1: Naomi. N-A-O-M-I. Now, I don't know if it's still working, but whether that one's still working or not, they've got others. For instance, and we know that it's been revealed uh, that there were some 30 bio, biochemical warfare laboratories in Ukraine. And this is one of the reasons why the Russian government decided they had to stop Ukraine from coming into NATO, uh-huh. uh, which and they would also have nuclear weapons. So, uh, and these laboratories, of course, can produce germ warfare, which they could use against Russia. So they've been doing this for a long time. Now, one of the agents uh, that was a double agent was Ignacio Rodriguez, who was a shops uh, was a steward on airplanes. And this is his wife; she was also uh, a double agent. He was to fly. He was to fly a plane, a, a passenger plane, from. Barbados in 1976 that was blown up by the CIA agents and this is in my book I can't give you all the details uh, right here but you can find it in my book and perhaps elsewhere uh, and Ignacio was to have been on that plane and it was just a uh, and while he was supposedly working for the CIA and because his wife was sick and she was supposed to come with him, he got a good friend to take his job that day. And by the end of the day, he learned that everybody on that plane had been exploded, sabotaged, killed, 73 people. And many of them were teenagers. They were in, in, uh, in Barbados and Venezuela, in a fencing uh, conference, you know, competition. Why do they go after people on sports
0: teams? That's in the Northwoods document where they're speculating about blowing down an aircraft or something like that. And then at the the real document, if you go to it, like the fifth page or sixth page talks about, I mean, if you can find a sports team that's traveling or something like that, I'm like, why are you guys even speculating about sports teams? Is that like, is that, is that, was that a very frequent thing? I felt like I've never left this country.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. I don't know why. Uh, so you know about Northwoods. Well, of course you would. Uh, incidentally, uh, we'll come back to this, but I just got through seeing finally uh, Oliver Stone's JFK revisited, and it's just a pearl of, of – I mean, The two-hour
0: one or the four-hour one? That's No, is there a four-hour one? No, yeah, so Jim – Jet's Jim. Jim's film is really, really good. It actually got me interested in the Kennedy assassination, but the four-hour one is a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but it's more detailed and more uh, explanation. The two hour one's good for the general public. I think the four hours called Through the Looking Glass, but they go into Northwoods a little bit more, which I think is a big shocker for a lot of people. Um, cause I don't even think the history books really talk. And I know history books are written by the winner, but for the public, that's their <laughs> basic info. And yeah. you get kind of blown away by the number of operations that were going on. When I had uh, Blakey on here, we talked about JM Wave, and I asked him, I said, a lot of these Kennedy documents that are yet to be released, this is before they released like 18,000 of them. I said, do all these have to do with JM Wave-related material? And he said he couldn't say. And then when, six months later, the documents come out, and there's like a bunch of pages on JM Wave. And it's like you start realizing these operations and these intelligence operations, and it goes back to what you said about... um biological warfare i mean that's a hell of a coincidence if you're talking about and getting a message about it and then it comes out later that there's like a giant spread about it so were they hurting the population to make sure that that country couldn't thrive and get to whatever their fear of communism was which is well, that of, these course, commun- of course yeah. of
1: course you kill children and it then and the next thing you do i mean they have propaganda everywhere in the world uh and you know internet now uh, and 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 what's now AI? I thought AI was Amnesty International, but now I learned that it's not Amnesty International anymore. It's artificial intelligence. You know, I mean, so you 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 can be anywhere. You could be on a desert, and you could want to create a a real communist, you know, loving society where everybody shares everything, and they would know where you are and what you're doing. You know, while we're talking, of course, Edward Snowden has showed us, and of course, Julian Assange as well. That you know they 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 go everywhere. They have every word that we're saying you know, somewhere. So um, so yes, the sanctions now again. You know the the U.S. has sanctions against one third of the world's population, and the whole idea is not to really hurt the leadership because most leadership can always get something to eat. You know, and so there it's to hurt the people, the the, the poorest of the people, the working class so that they will rise up against their leaders, you know, because even if so, something like that has happened in, in Venezuela, which I wrote a book about Venezuela too, and, um, and some of the population started blaming Chavez and Madura after Chavez uh, died, because, you know, regardless of who's to blame, the fact is that I'm hungry and it's your government, Chavez or Fidel or whoever, who is causing me to be hungry because the CIA doesn't like you. So they're making life difficult for us. So many people take that, you know, option. They say we should have a government, uh, which is happening in Turkey right now. We should have a government that the United States wants, and then we won't have sanctions against us. So, you know, it's, it's the old Machiavellian uh, war uh, uh, method of divide and conquer.
0: It's a it's a devil's bargain.
1: This plane that he was supposed to be on was was exploded by two two Cuban exiles and two uh, members of the, uh, of, of, the, um, of the of the of the of the right wing secret service of Venezuela, whose names are in my book. I can't get them right now. But now Ignacio, who was supposed to be on that plane. Uh, went to see his handler his, his his CIA handler whose name was Nicolas and he saw him in Madrid and he said to him what the fuck is going on why did you do this did you know I was supposed to be on the plane how is it that you're killing these people and his intelligence officer said for your peace of mind I assure you and headquarters Langley told me to assure you that from now on We will take special precautions so that you and your wife and family will not be aboard any aircraft that may subject, be subject to such an act again. No, thanks. That's great. He's going to save my life, but he's going to kill more of my own people. So then uh, Ignacio, the Cuban, uh, you know, lost his cool and slapped him around and hit him a few times and he left. He he continued, he, he continued to. To work for the Cuban government, however, uh, much of what is in this book is verified, uh, as I said, by 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 cameras, by listening opera uh, by listening devices that the Cubans also have. So I I I I think that this is a piece. It's it's still sold. I think on good good books. I think it's called. And of course, Amazon, whom which I hate, and I never buy anything from Amazon. Amazon. Why do you hate is, Amazon? Well, Amazon is the CIA's favorite uh, company. You know.
0: Well, most of the books that are trending on there are like anti-government books.
1: Well, I don't know that they're trending so much. I mean, they print they print my book, uh, the 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 Russian peace threat, which is very subversive, but they don't sell it. They don't promote it in any way. You know, it's just as listed there and uh and you know it sells a few hundred copies and uh if, if, but if a book they really want to push they do all kinds of promotion
0: yeah when you were a journalist in cuba did you have like what what was your, that experience like was it easy for you to report stories that might have been like cuz you were getting a different eye i'm sure much of the public probably had thoughts on the us government coming over there and being involved in the um in cuba but i'm just curious if you had like as independent media or is your free speech? Did you have the type of uh, style of media where you could actually write an article and be able to research the stuff you have? And then also the agents that you interviewed. I mean, I've spoken to one probably on the show, Vern, and he was talking about how he, he was a CIA person. I think he wrote a book called Havana Spies or something like that. Um, You can look up his Law logistical profile. He went to prison for like 35 years and then he's just released and there's no explanation of why. They were just like, "Up, oh, you're all free and good to go. But he was over there just working for Castro, sabotaging. I think it was Castro was trying to make it rain over there. Um, <laughs> something CIA agent so, trying to
1: make it rain. What, so Burns, he, was he a CIA agent? And where was he in prison?
0: Vern, uh, I, 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 you have to look up his law. profile. I'm pretty sure it's Leavenworth. If I'm not mistaken, he was
1: in a U.S. prison.
0: So yeah, because he was fleeing for a couple of years, like he had a wife and everything that he left. Um, his name's Vern. V-E-R-N-E and L Y O N. Um, you can look up his book called Havana Spies. Um, really good. And it was a you know crazy story, but I'm just curious, as you were a reporter over there, were you able to have, you know, this range of being able to investigate things? I mean, did anybody ever threaten you? I mean, what did the people were they receptive to you speaking or just trying to find stories on things that were going on in Cuba? I have to feel like you have to keep your head uh low a little bit.
1: Well, it's a good question and uh... The fact is that there was not free press in Cuba, and I don't think there still is. And I, while I can criticize it and and did while I was there, I got to know several people that were high up, uh, and uh, including I got to talk a couple times with Fidel. And um, their their response to why it can't be a free press is something that is hard maybe for uh, for you to understand, but. If you have a free press and uh, that means that you're open to having people come in and come in and, and go out and uh, and open up your books and open up this and that, the CIA is always going to be there. And they're always going to be doing whatever they can t- to sabotage and to use whatever information they can and use w- people that they can pay to use um, to, uh, to, to overthrow you. Um, and they've overthrown, you know, scores and scores of governments. They've killed scores and scores of national leaders. And so, and, and they even admit to many, you know, ex- times that they tried to kill Fidel Castro. You know, I mean, just imagine if Fidel Castro really tried to kill Kennedy, for example, there would be no Cuba, right? Uh, so. Any government that is under the, the the looking glass of the United States has to be extremely careful in how they conduct their 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 economy, their politics, their media. It's it's uh, it sounds to some people who don't know don't have the background that I have that I'm being an apologist. Um, I think that one of the most important things I can see in my own life is that I decided when I began to be a radical and hopefully revolutionary, that that I I would not have any illusions. I would never work for anybody that forced me to do something against my principles. And for that, I was fired four times from four US daily newspapers, uh, which the FBI helped in two occasions that I know of, where they came to the office and spoke with the chief editor or the owner, and the next day I was fired. So, you know, just in my own little life experiences, I can say that there's really not free press in the United States either. Um,
0: well Mockingbirds a great example of, you know, captured media. Yeah.
1: I uh, I wanted to write a couple of different t- stories uh where the director of Prince of Latina uh, uh, which was the or is also the the, the, the wire service a news service at both for internal media uh, and external media, and the director said, "Well, no. If we do that, then we're going to get criticized by the um, the leadership of 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 the economy of agriculture." In other words, I the, the, there was to be a, a, a progressive changes in in agriculture where the workers would have more to say, and it didn't happen. And one of the volunteer jobs that I took was working on this uh, cooperative plantation, in sugar cane and sugarcane and other crops. And I went there frequently for a few days, a week, a couple of weeks, and I followed the development. And I saw workers unhappy that they couldn't make decisions, and many times crops would get harvested, and they wouldn't get transported in time, and they would rot. Um, um, the answer was always that if if we turn over more and more, uh, uh, have more open press. If we turn over more power to workers, the the CIA will be there, and with the their, their agents, you know, who 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 they of course can buy, and it will split our country, and it will make it impossible for us to to conduct the affairs that we want to. I realize that many of your listeners could say uh this is a you know a shit ass excuse we could hear you know somebody in the united states say the same you know i i can't convince you in this hour we have that uh i think that they were right in their decisions still i think that the major mistake that the cuban government as a revolution uh, has made is not being able to find some ways of turning over more Power uh, uh, of decision making to the, to the workers um, and I, it's hurt them tremendously. But it may very well be that it, it, it's really impossible for any government in the world to be what it really wants to be as long as the United States is so powerful as it is. Uh, the Turkey elections, I have no I have no uh, love for Erdogan. But I, I hope that he wins instead of the other asshole, because uh, not that there's, you know, there's not any free press there either. And, and, uh, you know, and Shahira laws are, are bad, but, but Aradon at least is willing to be partners to some degree with Russia. The new, the other guy is, is a lackey for the United States, and he wants the United States to, to basically take over Turkey, just like Yeltsin before Putin let the United States under Bill Clinton take over their economy. In 10 years time, the average length of, 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 of living, of life for men uh, fell 10 years. In 10 years time, 10 years of their life was lost. He just gave up the, the economy to, to the US. And the reason why the United States hates Putin and has pushed him into this war is because he wanted sovereignty for his country. And he tried for 22 years, he tried to come into NATO. They said no. He tried to have CIA, he had to try, Bush to get the CIA to stop supporting terrorists in his own territory and in two or three republics that were once under the Soviet Union. And Bush couldn't do it. Truman couldn't stop the CIA. Truman, before he died, said, that was the worst thing I ever did. I would wish that I could undo it and there was no CIA. Kennedy said to the French ambassador on uh, de Gaulle's time, I'm sorry, I can't stop the CIA from manipulating your country. The CIA was working with four generals, French generals, to murder de Gaulle. I mean, nobody can stop the CIA. So that's my answer. Do you think that – I mean
0: that there's ever – there's never going to be a free press. I feel like in any country there's no free press. I feel like they're limited in some conditions and in some standards, but I mean – deep." Depending on how intertwined the government is, I just think that's kind of an illusion.
1: Counterpunch, counterpunch is not a free press. I just wrote an article with with a with a friend of mine. Wait, counterpunch? Counterpunch, were in which I said among the and this was for Assange, and I said among the people speaking at this event for Assange in front of uh, uh, in front of the you know I think the British uh, embassy or or council was Scott Ritter. So they wouldn't they wouldn't let this. They said if Scott Ritter name is there, we're not going to publish your piece. So my partner said, "Well, you know, it's that you know." My partner, of course, you know, wanted the piece published, and I said, "Okay." So we we had to agree that they censored his name. They never told me why. I'll never write for them again. I mean, I said, uh, "You know, tell me why," and they refused to even. They refused to even answer my email.
0: That's what I'm saying is that everyone's got a bias in something, and there's always one thing that's going to stop you from saying – I don't think any – and even independent journalism. I think there's a good couple out there, but everyone's got their biases. I mean it's really hard to get the proper information. You have to go to various different sources and stuff like that. But I mean has that always been there though? I mean look at the whole counterculture movement that sparked up in a direction because the fact that mainstream news wasn't covering certain issues. And even then, I think some of them were limited as well, too. I mean, eventually, you start seeing counterculture magazines, whether they were infiltrated by the FBI or CIA, which I do. I think The Rational Observer was a fake magazine that was created and loaded on college campuses saying nothing but good things about the war in Vietnam. But it was created by the FBI. It's not real. It wasn't a real magazine. But there was, oh. a, a, there was <laughs> a... Yeah, I, I had Dale Broomfield on here who wrote a book about that. Um, he interviewed I mean, all these people. I didn't and know pe- that
1: one. I didn't know that
0: one. So there's oh. like... I, then you have like the gay blades that came out. You had a bunch of movements that were coming up but they ended up dying off whether they it turned in on itself or collapsed on itself or it was turned in on itself by the fbi or the cia i just think that this if there's any independent voices out there that are going to be saying anything that might not have a bias in it but i just don't see them lasting we had a media site i think for a while the hill which was a right and a left um two different hosts that would had different views, very different views. And they kept it pretty balanced, but even then like there's some stuff where it's like they won't touch and they won't talk about and they won't do issues on. It's not that it's not important, it's just that they just know that it's too big of an issue. So that's where I look at it and I go, I mean, this has been like a historical thing that the illusion of free press is what we have. You know, the idea that the media is there, but there's always these stereotypes and the basic ones and the ones that get the most viewership are the ones that pitch the narrative.
1: Wow. I'm so glad that you're interviewing me. Uh, I, I think I'm also interviewing you because I'm learning something from you, and I never, I, I never get to talk to young people, and uh, so it's really good to see uh, you uh, as a young person uh, wanting to know about history, for that you can make a better future. We have to understand today in a in a historical context. Always, you know, it's like how they can convince most uh, people in the, Europe and the United States that. That Putin did some kind of evil, you know, Hitler for Christ's sakes. I mean, they lost twenty-seven million people uh, under Hitler's, you know, and the United. It, well, you know, uh, it's because uh, is because there is not a free press. But I, but going back to what you just said about the, the 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 underground media. When I got fired from four jobs in the mass media, and I was I found out I was put on the 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 the, the association of uh, owners newspaper owners' uh, blacklist. So I went to the mass media, or rather to the underground media. And I worked in Los Angeles for first the Los Angeles Advocate, News Advocate, the Los Angeles Free Press. And then my friend and I started uh, the Los Angeles Vanguard. Uh, and I worked for another, oh, the Liberation News Service. That was a news service for all of our, our and, and the alternative news service. I mean, we had a very elaborate and many, many hundreds of, of, of weeklies. And we were really good. And and mostly, we did have a free press. I mean, uh, I've been a member of the Communist Party, and I, I must say that I think communism would be the best form of, of, of life if we could ever reach communism, uh, which I don't think we could. But, of course, communist governments and communist parties have also been very dogmatic and, and doctrinaire and and idiotic. At the same time, under always tremendous pressure from whatever forces the United States has. They invaded, of course, uh, you know, uh, right after the revolution in 1917, they invaded uh, Russia, tried to stop the revolution from happening under Woodrow Wilson, who also made the Espionage Act, which they're using against Julian Assange. So we, we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of, uh, freedom in the, in the underground media.
0: Uh, I want to ask about the underground media real quick, but I want to say my show is conversation. It's not an interview, said it twice. I'm just making sure we're having a conversation, but I want to talk about the underground press. But I think it's really important that we do talk about like me and you, we live in America. So it's just like you would be more critical on your own agencies because you live here and you know that you want your country to do better. And that's like a lot of people whenever they start hearing stuff about the agencies or anything like that or anything that we're talking about, they may at least start getting mad because they could be patriots of the government or anything of that sort. And I'm just like, I mean, there's some serious ethical concerns about a lot of stuff. I mean, killing people or downing aircrafts and getting rid of someone because you consider them a problem, sabotaging another government because you consider it a problem is unethical, in my opinion. So, you know, having these types of views, I mean, even look at the counterculture movement, the number of people that are speaking out about serious issues. Do you think it was okay for the government to go to college campuses and stop protests by making them violent or throwing rocks with agent or provocateurs, whatever that's called? A lot of people like the uh, best example, Kent University, where those protests happened and then there was that shooting and then a bunch of stuff started going down. Government. I mean, so that's an issue for me. And that's something where I live in America. And I look at that history. And I think it's really important for kids my age and younger to remember that history and know about that history. But we don't ever talk about it. The history books never talk about education systems don't talk about it. That's a really serious issue. And it should be well-known. So even with the counterculture movement, we talk about the number of magazines and things. I mean, were you ever just curious, like did you ever have a dissenting view on the counterculture movement? Like any bad parts like hindsight now? Or it's like maybe that was a little bit too extreme where in hindsight now you can look back and be like, "Eh, it might have went a little too far. But overall, it had a lot of impactful things to it.
1: Well, I didn't join the Weather Underground uh, because I thought that it would not – it would not do what it set out to do. That was to say, to to lay the basis for a socialist revolution, with or without guns. Of course, you can't have a revolution in the United States or anywhere that the United States doesn't want you to have a revolution without guns. I mean, because they got so many guns, so and they're not. Gonna, you you can't have. You know, if if we can't get, if we can't, if we could get maybe a hundred million people to sit in. Somewhere, you know, uh, you know, maybe we could do it, but we'll never get a hundred million people. So, some of us went too far. Uh, I thought that the Weather Underground conducted itself quite morally; it never killed anybody. Uh, three of their own people died uh, when they were manufacturing a weapon, a bomb.
0: Yeah, apartment but explosion. they always led, huh? Apartment explosion.
1: Yeah, an apartment explosion. Yeah, and. Uh, but they were really very good at uh, placing these explosives in in symbolic places uh, where, and they let, you know, everybody know that they had to leave and uh, fortunately it worked, but there were other groups and and I wrote about this a couple of times and I got accused of being, you know, an agent uh, or something. Uh, I've even been accused of being a CIA agent because I've criticized some of the government of the United States. Are
0: you a CIA agent? You have to tell me if you are.
1: Oh, I have to tell you if I have. Well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And um, uh, I don't know if they use people 83 years old. but You, you know, seem you, like you know, got a little fight in. Yeah. Before, before we leave, you got to let me tell you about Randy Credico. Yes,
0: we will. We will. But come on. Tell me about their other ground. Uh
1: on the list on the list on the list oh yeah um yeah so, some of the some of the groups that that did use violence in the in the counterculture period i mean we had many things going on we were a massive movement we were multi lingual multi ethnic we were multi 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 we had all kinds of things going on and some of the people just wanted to be hippies you know but but the the, the pigs you know they even beat up hippies so many hippies also Became anti-war activists or anti-police brutality activists, you know. So we had a lot of tolerance, but you know, some of us were less tolerant than others. And some of the communists were less tolerant than others, some of the Trotskyists were less, and some of the people who, who 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 chose um to do some violence against the pigs were also intolerant. And they made some stupid mistakes or or stupid acts that were also immoral. And I criticized that, and uh, and and you know I got you know some bad letters sent to me, but uh, nothing ever happened to me. And and of course the Black Panthers in the beginning, I supported. I was with SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, in nineteen sixty four, Mississippi, um, and also in Los Angeles, and also with CORE. Uh, and then for a while, I was uh, I I helped start a white support group for the Black Panthers. But some of the Black Panthers got really stupid, wild, uh, uh, violent. But again, they were infiltrated by Black pigs, you know. Uh, And some of the Black pigs, you know, were facing many years in prison. So they were able to be converted so that they wouldn't have to go to prison. Well, and they, you know, they were creating provocations. They were creating and they were, you know, sending names to names and they were creating chaos. So some of them got killed, uh, you know, by some of the Black Panthers, and every once in a while somebody got killed who was not an agent. Yep. Yeah, so there were there were excesses, but again, we have to put this in 500 years of slavery context. We have to put this into colonization, into genocide. Uh, you know, just talking about it, I have goosebumps and. Tears form in the back of my head while I am enraged, constantly enraged, uh, because yes, we have errors on our side, but many of these errors are forced upon us because we can't demonstrate
0: without. No, I 100% agree. I mean, sending letters to the Black Panther Party leader's wives saying that your husbands are sleeping around with teenage kids is a really messed up move on the fact of the FBI. They did the same thing
1: to to Martin Luther King's wife.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so it's being forced to do certain things because you feel like you're not being heard and you're being more than – everything's being thrown at you to stop. You know, I mean, obviously, it puts people in a position where mistakes are going to be made. I'm not saying that. It's just there's a – it, when you look at the whole movement and the whole culture of everything, there's just so much going on. It's You could spend years and years just researching and looking at everything that was going on where I wonder, is it – do you think this was possibly because of some of these leaders that were in power at the time, the elites, You know, the type when it comes to like the FBI and Hoover is a good example, but – it's a very bad track that hadn't been stopped there hadn't been anybody really good like senator frank church was like the first one i'd ever seen that really got up and actually you know was on the right direction william colby's another good example but even him he was limited in some certain aspects of things but i feel like we had been going in this what people would say, a right-wing mentality for a long time. I wouldn't say that. I would just say a very extremist viewpoint of like none of this, none of this. This is what we like. And it had been going for a very long time in all these agencies. Alan Dulce is another good example. And I would like maybe if we had different people that were, I guess, maybe less extremist as they were, would it be going the same way? Or do you think it was just the mentality of the nation at the time? <laughs>
1: The biggest mistake that was ever made by the homo sapien species was going from an egalitarian society where there were no bosses, there were no kings, there was there was not gender inequality. We went from, uh, as well as the Neanderthal, the, the early homo sapiens who also were with the Neanderthals uh, in the same time frame um went from hunter gathering fishers to settling down on a farm and immediately creating a class classes immediately creating inequality immediately creating uh, vile vicious uh 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 indoctrinating torturing uh, church institutions you know uh uh, uh uh and and wars um there are some AII as a hobby, study a little bit archaeology and anthropology, and visit caves, etc. And uh, and what I'm telling you now is something I've learned in the, my latter years. And uh, many of these uh, experts uh, agree with some of what I just said. Not the language, perhaps, but yes, when we settled down about 12,000, 13,000 years ago, everything went wrong. And after, you know, it was private property that started everything going wrong. And then capitalism comes into it. It's a a method, a mercantile method of of using private property. As long as we have a capitalist economy, no politician, especially in the U.S., can ever accomplish anything. And the only one that actually did, I had to finally give him credit for doing it. Uh, it was Kennedy. Um, And his brother later went, they killed him as well, when he announced that he was going to reopen the case on Kennedy, his brother. And so he had to go. And now uh, he's, his son is running for president. And I tried to contact him and said, you know, I hope that you don't get close to winning because they'll kill you too. Um, I learned uh, when Kennedy got killed, I, I wasn't, you know, very upset. I, I knew it wasn't. I was a member of, of so-called Oswald's organization, the Fair Play for Cuba. Oh, right, we got to
0: talk about that a hundred percent. I have my,
1: I have my card here in front of me. If you give me, you a are second. part of the
0: Fair Play for Cuba committee.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, did you ever meet Oswald? You guys, you said he went to Japan. Did yeah. you ever come across him there?
1: Well, you know, he wasn't in the Fair Play for Cuba committee. This is my. Uh, this is my Fair Play for Cuba Committee card.
0: But he yeah. went to Atsugi and got a venereal disease in the line of duty.
1: His office for the Fair Play for Cuba Committee was across the street from the CIA office in New Orleans. <laughs> All right? He was, no C- he was no member of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, for Christ's sake.
0: Oh, God. There were more. I, thought, I think the theory is there were more agents involved in those committees than there were actual communists
1: well that's possible we when i was in the communist party uh from 68 and no, i from uh, 64 to 69 um there was a joke that uh, uh you know we, we 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 had clubs and we had you know they were at people's homes where we met and there'd be let's say six to eight 10 maybe 12 people in a club so at this time uh there's like six guys sitting in this you know, I don't know if anybody was a woman, but they're sitting in the in this person's house, and they say, "Well, you know, where wh- where is Harry?" Well, he couldn't come today or something. Okay, well, we might as well abandon the meeting because everybody there was an FBI agent. You know, well, who knows how many they had, and of course, they want us to think that they had more than they did have. I mean, that's a that's a method of frightening us, of making us you know nervous to uh, do what we want to do. To uh, you know, uh, uh, Co Intel you've heard of, I guess. Um, they they did all kinds of things to us. Uh, in my, my when uh, the, the FBI came to my job, I had just had twins uh, two weeks before, and this was one of the times I was fired. Told the boss that I was working with uh, the Black Panthers, and I was an anti-war activist, and then he fired me the next day. Two what weeks before that, that he, he had just promoted me. And giving me more money and giving me more to do on this newspaper i don't
0: don't understand the anti-war activism stuff if you just don't agree with what's going on in vietnam that makes you an anti-war person but i feel like then everybody would be uh, most people i talked to today were like we shouldn't have been in vietnam so it's like i don't understand everyone must have had those types of views but just people feel like they had to self-censor to where they couldn't talk about or they lose their job
1: well, you know about Kennedy. Oh, you see, I see. I I I I got away from Kennedy. I learned that Kennedy was a good guy when I got to Cuba, and I got to talk to the 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 editor, the ch- edit, chief of editor of Grandma, which was their major, you know, the major Communist Party daily daily newspaper. And I I was working for you know another media in Cuba, and the editor told me th- that they hoped that Kennedy could f- continue that they would have had peace with Kennedy. Now and we know many of these documents have come out recently, and you know you saw Oliver Stone's. I've said what I'm talking about now is is in what we have both seen that um, that uh, that Kennedy had sent people to to you know to, to make uh, to, to to make agreements with Cuba so that they wouldn't continue to undermine Cuba. He was beginning to pull out uh, troops. He had a plan to pull out troops. From September '63, two months before he died, he had he made this plan to, to take troops out. I was told this already in the in in eighteen in the '80s uh, by the by the Cuban government people. And uh, Fidel thought very well of Kennedy. He thought that they could have decent relationships. Had they had that, then probably there would have been a much better free press, much better democracy, uh, civil liberties um, in in Cuba. Uh, But that's not what they want. That's not what capitalists want. You see, they murdered Kennedy four months after the greatest speech that I know of any president having given, including Lincoln. He did make a great speech about slavery, but, you know, he kept slavery for quite a while until it was no longer convenient. And while he was freeing the slaves, he was also murdering Indians. For Christ's sakes, he wasn't any great man in, in some respects. Of course, he was great that the slaves did get officially officially on paper freed which they never did get freed even to today but they murdered kennedy they had to murder kennedy and while he's still in his coffin before he's buried that motherfucking pig john lbj that motherfucker rescinded every one of of the uh, every one of the instructions that kennedy had given to generals to take troops out of vietnam so LBJ was involved in the murder, at least in the cover-up. He appointed Warren to head the commission when Warren didn't want to do it, and then he must have threatened him with something because the next time he came out with tears in his eyes and said, "Yeah, well, I'm the director," and the, but the real director was Alan Dulles, whom Kennedy had fired, you know, and the... said he was going to say he was going to shatter the CIA into the winds, right? So they they had to murder him.
0: Okay, so that's where Oliver Stone. Might add it a little bit there. Um, The shattered the scatter the CIA into a million pieces or whatever and dust to the wind. That has never been recorded and that has never been – I guess he said it to someone and then that must have been like a testimony or something. I've talked to Jim about that um, when he put it in their film. It's just like one little thing. It's a little small detail, but everyone usually mentions that because RFK just said it recently as well too. The thing with Johnson, though, I don't think he was a part of the actual plot to kill Kennedy. He definitely knew about it, um, or he definitely covered it up. I mean there's more evidence on the cover-up than anything, which is so crazy that people are just – like they don't even look at the evidence of the cover-up. But I definitely think he found out about it and then just kept his mouth shut about it. But he did have – like I've talked to people who study Johnson – um, everything I've learned about him is like to kind of hate the man. But then more towards the ending, I guess when they started getting out of Vietnam, he kind of changed a little bit, um, from what I've heard. Uh, but I
1: well, well, you know, well, well, five million people in, in Southeast yeah. Asia were murdered by him. Yeah. So, you know, so I don't give a fuck that he changed his <laughs> mind after he killed five million people. You know, I mean, Kissinger doesn't even want doesn't even want a world war with nuclear weapons, and the Ukrainians have put him on their hit list. What what do
0: you think about Nixon being targeted? Do you do you agree with that statement? Targeted? Yeah, I think Watergate it's Watergate's like everything against Nixon and I don't think Nixon should have stayed being president at all. But I just – I talked to Jeff Shepard who defended Nixon during Watergate, and I've talked to a lot of like historians on Nixon. And I think there's a lot more evidence now to support even with new documentation that came out about them actually targeting Nixon. Like it was an all-out assault on just blaming everything on Nixon to take blame off the CIA and the FBI. Yeah, they were up to so much shit that that's why when Nixon was like, you need guys help me out with this, and Hoover's like, I can't spread my FBI anymore, and then he had to start his own. I kind of went to like what – like that's a – Big push-off onto Nixon. I don't know what your thoughts would be on that, but I just kind of look at it from that point. Like I believe deep state. I'm not a left or right, but I look more at the deep state when it comes to like the intelligence agencies, um, this really unhealthy relationship with capitalism that has grown for so long. Like that's my definition of it. I mean, I don't know if you believe in a deep state or you look at it like that, but I've just seen too much through the past to be like, there's so much shit working in the shadows that none that basically we don't see.
1: You can't be neither right or left and oppose capitalism. You you oppose capitalism from the left. It's the only way to oppose it. And we have to have some kind of sharing economy, uh, which I was trying to say earlier, is that, you know, even before capitalism, uh, inequality creates violence and wars. And we didn't have that kind of we didn't have big violence and we didn't have any wars when we were, you know, hunters and gatherers. Uh John Sam Giancani was one of the oh, uh, mafia shit. guys. Mr. You know, you know this book. Yeah, I know Sam. All right. Well, Sam Giancani writes the names of the people who killed Kennedy. You know, interestingly enough, most of the names are also on the, the Cuba's intelligence leaders uh list of names of who killed Kennedy. I got to know the man. Uh I, he gave me one of his books. And uh, Escalante is his name. Uh, and Howard Hunt, you know, his his sons interviewed him when he was in the hospital. Howard Hunt was one of the major, you know, yeah. CIA guys against this. He did a uh, deathbed Cuba. confession. And, and he did a, a so-called deathbed confession. I mean, you know, there's just no. <laughs> Nixon. OK, yes, Nixon, Nixon <laughs> sure had him on his list. It was that Nixon, he made the mistake. That one of my best leaders made, Evo Morales. I was uh, president of Bolivia. I was his PR director uh, when he came to Copenhagen for some days uh, at, at this uh, summit you know, COP15 uh, COP in 2009. And I took him around to the media and so forth. I was with him in Bolivia the next year when we had how many? 35,000 people at the climate conference. And uh, Evo Morales made a big mistake when he tried to uh, uh, overcome the Constitution, which only allowed for, I think, two or three times president, he wanted to be president four times. And that was wrong. And And he lost. And he should have lost. I still like Evo Morales, but he thought he could do a better job than somebody else. Well, Nixon wanted to be an emperor. He had, you know, an inferiority complex and he wanted to be a king. And he was making a lot of mistakes and Watergate was hurting the capitalist class it was wall street that wanted him out so wall street said you have to get out that's not the same thing as they threatened to kill him i don't know if the cia would have killed him it seems to me a little bit odd that they would have since they used him so much when i meant targeting i meant
0: like actually not like trying to kill him or anything but just pushing all the blame on him and making him sink the ship so they didn't go down yeah
1: well some of that was true i mean the, the um, you know he he said. So, he hired CIA agents to do his dirty work, you yeah. know the plumbers, et cetera. Uh, the the uh, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, whom whom I know personally, I just wrote an email to him. He's he's dying of cancer, Daniel Ellsberg. And you know they they had the uh, ex CIA uh, guys uh, and and current CIA, you know, into his uh, psychiatrist uh, office and stealing documents, et cetera. You know, well then the Supreme Court had a little bit of guts, and his and and so he you know he was not in prison. Daniel Ellsberg also says if the Supreme Court today, you know, had the Pentagon Papers case, he would have been in prison just like Julian Assange, and they would not have stopped. You know, so the the country has gone more and more to the right. The United States of America, it's not America. America starts in Argentina, and it goes up to Alaska. You don't live in America. You live in the United States of america. and 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 uh, you know, it is going in a very fascistic direction and doesn't matter who's going to be the next president. they're They're all going to take it more to the right. Uh, and and the right means that the CIA, especially, creates fascist governments, neo-fascist governments, as they have done. In, in ukraine in 2014 and now they're reaping the benefits with killing masses of people in ukraine and many russians and they're trying to get russia to be split up into four parts so they can take it over and now they're going to create war against china they are totally insane and this ukraine list i have to show you this ukraine list my friend Randy Credico, you know him? No. He 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 is a radio announcer or host for WBAI. You know WBAI? I
0: don't watch any news.
1: <laughs> well, you should watch him. I'm sorry <laughs> if
0: you ask me questions about the 70s and 60s. It's where I've been stuck in for the past okay. couple of years. Well,
1: Randy Credico is today, and he's a, a satirist. He used to be a comedian. Uh, he used to be very well known on Johnny Carson show, etc. And he is devoting his life. To uh, against the war in, in 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 Russia, and and for Julian Assange, She was recently Ukraine, uh, in Ukraine, in Donbas and in Moscow. So they have put him on, on their hit list. Journalist Randy Credico has just been placed on the Ukrainian terrorist list. Now this kill list that is created by the CIA. Where is it? Here it is. This is their uh, their hit list. It's called. M-Y-R-O-T-Y-Q-R-E-T-S. It means peacekeeper in English. And that- Raise it up a little bit. When you go, when you go to, when you, you know, when, when you're into, the, into technology, you know how to do this. You go to who is the server, you know, who's the original server of this website? And it's Langley. And they and you go to their homepage and it's right here. I send it to you. I sent a copy when you yeah. get time. You go to their homepage and it says, Welcome to the CIA project website. People's names that they have put on their hit list have been killed. Damn. I don't want my friend Randy Credico to be killed. And they 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 black out, they have where he's from. They blacked out his, his phone number. But maybe you could figure it out anyway. They say he's an American comedy comedian, etc. He's been in the Donetsk region, and he justifies the Russian aggressors who launched the fascist, uh, you know, camp, you know, they're fascist, etc.
0: Yeah, you can't now, even really talk about the Russian thing on YouTube. What? You can't even really talk about the Russian war on YouTube.
1: No, no, no. It's a you know, it's a it's taboo. You can't. It's, it's, it's no it's
0: censorship they just like they'll take down videos and they'll do things of that sort if you even talk about certain things i think for a while on social platforms you couldn't talk about what was going on in the ukraine either um just because of they considered it a hot topic and they were like you can't they'll Block links. They'll do anything like that. I mean, the weird part with technology, how much we use it for so many things, is the fact that the government's found a great way to be able to capture that and make sure that, you know, certain links won't be sent, certain information won't be spread. And they'll label it disinformation or misinformation. It's like, well, it's fucking real, but just the main news isn't reporting on it. They just report on this. I mean, they were caring so much about Ukraine, but Months before, they were talking shit on the Ukraine, which was weird to see the complete 180 that they did. And now, I don't even really see any stories on what's going on in Ukraine.
1: Well, they're whores for war. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's almost no journalism. That needs
0: anywhere. to be on a t-shirt, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they, they are. I mean, Randy Critico, for example, went to uh, the White House the other day when Bin, uh, you know, has his press day, right? And from the audience, he raised the point of what you know we're talking about free press, right? And they have comedians, you know, they make fun. And so Randy Credico knows comedians. He was really a well-known comedian before you were born. And now he's come over to us and now he's a satirist and he works for this radio station, but uh, I don't think he gets paid for it. But at any rate, he just, he just said, Hey, what about free press? What about Julian Assange? They escorted him, you know, physically out of the room. Uh, this was President Biden's uh, you know, press uh, day. So uh, you you could not speak about Julian Assange. And these five newspapers that finally, after all these years, wrote an editorial in November, Saying he should be freed, they didn't follow it up. they never ask any questions of any leaders in the in the White House of let alone the president about what have they done are they doing anything they didn't even respond to these editorials, but they don't follow it up. The only reason why they said he should be freed is to give the impression image image, image so many young people are so concerned about image and is in the media the image is they have to look like they're democratic so once out of thirteen or fourteen years, they finally called for him to be released, but they won't do anything about it. If they really did anything about it, they would have to release him. How do they make it look democratic? Well, because they said in their editorial a few months ago that they, he should be released, Okay. and that's that's that would then see you know so then 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 they're then they're abiding by the First Amendment. You know, there should be no abridgment of the freedom of press yeah. but in in reality they have demonized him just as they have demonized Putin you know Bush tore up the ABM contract you know attract track, you know Bush said I I I I looked him in the eyes I saw his soul and I can trust him so then Putin said to him oh yes well that's good you trust me so let us come into NATO uh stop CIA from sabotaging our territory and don't tear up the treaty bush either could not or did not do any of those things just like truman could not rescind the cia you know nobody can stop the cia so there will never be there will never be peace there will never be free press as long as the cia is the mafia of wall street you're about as pessimistic as i am well i'm even worse because i've become misanthropic.
0: <laughs> i know you I yelled at mean, me about defendant johnson i wasn't defending them i was just you know, i'm sorry at i'm sorry i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm you know i'm no i get it you're passionate about it i really appreciate that i mean i'm just glad someone shares my pessimism on this subject a little bit because everyone's like you're too young to be pessimistic i'm like look through history we there's been no change and look i think the movements were great i think they're really important but our attention spans, especially now as a society, it's hard to get people to care about last week. I mean it breaks my heart every time I bring up the Kennedy assassination and people just go, oh, and they roll their eyes. I'm like, we can't we can't do that anymore. Like this is really important stuff. I mean if they – one card of those falls. Everything is subjected to be questioned, and I think that's one of the most important things we have as people. But then it gets split up into left and right, and to me, that just makes me sick. I'm just like, guys, we need to talk about like serious, like institutional CIA shit and FBI stuff that we need to be talking about. There's other agencies out there, and I could not tell you the acronyms for. That's the scary part.
1: Well, yes, I I, I understand you, and I, perhaps one of the reasons why you're devoting your life to. To these podcasts and to studying the six. So they kill me.
0: No, I'm just kidding. Don't no, no,
1: is it because you probably don't can't you know you don't have in in your lifetime what what I had in my lifetime? I, I mean, as a young person, I had comrades. I had friends. I got friends. <laughs> I just they don't want to talk about this shit. Don't have comrades, Priya, because there's nobody in the streets. You know, uh, the the young people who are in the streets, they're all you know hung up about whether or not they're women or or whatever. I mean, I don't understand. You know, it's all this identity thing. You know, yeah, it's and social it, media. It's, open it's, that door it, up. It's, a, it's a very narcissistic society, and the young people have fallen for it. I mean, there there's so much egoism. You know, the 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 best quote that I can think of off the top of my head now about what is solidarity it was written and <clears throat> said by ray bourgeois unfortunately a very bad surname when he was the founder of the school of america's watch if you know about that the school of the americas in georgia is where they you know practiced uh, you know torturing they brought in soldiers from latin america th- tens of thousands of them over many years and told them how to torture people, showed them manuals. And we have copies of the manuals. They changed the name of it to some undescribable name, but they still do the same thing. The United States are experts in torturing. So Ray Bourgeois devoted his life to going to prison for many, many years in civil disobedience. He's not in prison now. But when he says solidarity, he talks of it this way. It's always been about that. It's always been about a company to a company means to take other people's struggles for justice to yourself, to imbi- imbi- Im- 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 embody one another with our struggles for justice. We are, or could be brothers and sisters. We should see each other as brothers and sisters and now it's me speaking, not as black and white and men and women and homos and eco-homos. And, and how many goddamn, you know, smart telephones can you have in your hands? I mean, I think if I were a, a an artist, you know, could paint, I would I would create a baby that comes out of some kind of womb. And instead of having a left hand, it would have a smart telephone. Instead of having ears, it would have some plugs, you know, instead of having pants, it would have something with holes in them i mean the, the most of the young people that i'm aware of you know i live in denmark but i don't think it's any different here than it is in where you're living and in your they 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 they, they have they have maybe never had the notion that we should fight together to stop the major evils yeah? the major evils are not if you get You know, I just read just the other month a 10 year old kid shot and killed his mother because she refused to buy him an Amazon headset. Where'd you read that at? Well, it's, you know, you can read it. It was, I think it was in Maryland or Milwaukee. You can find it. I, I can send it to you if you don't. I mean, it's not, it's not that I don't
0: believe it. I definitely believe. It. I think there's been worse out there that's happened than that. But I that's a little bit more normalized to me than it is maybe for you.
1: Gets as much. I don't know. You know, is
0: the, the times I've grown up and I've seen a little bit worse than that, but I don't know. Maybe I guess my generation is probably a little bit different to that type of stuff. At this point, it's probably as much as like, I mean, you guys fought for LSD and you guys fought for a bunch of things like during the hippie movements and stuff of the counterculture thing. But that stuff's legal for over here i, didn't I mean i fight LSD, for that i didn't fight for not that i'm saying you I, i'm just I, I spent the, the 60s well, it and 70s was part of it was generation. part
1: of where you yeah. smoke joints I, I when i threw with you i'm going to smoke a joint i have to smoke a joint every day at least oh shit
0: You actually smoke but that's what i'm saying the legalization of it to you it might sound like foreign of like just the drug being legal like as it is but my generation grew up with that now and then other generations going to yeah, be going up they
1: they let that. us do it they, they they want you to do it
0: that's what I'm saying. Is like that. That's where the the there's. It's not that people don't have the fight in them. It's just that everything that sounds like can be even for me looking back at the past and being taken back by. There's some stuff like wiretapping. I mean, we got the cell phones in the pockets. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that it's just it's. You say it to someone who maybe is not looking at it from a historical lens. You say it to someone of my generation. They just go okay and they move on and they go to their next thing, because it's just like they've been kind of taken out of the impact of it you know what i mean like it's not as hard hitting as it should be because of the fact that they're just numb to it and that's scary as a society i mean us being showed by the 24-hour news cycle so much stuff about death murder and all this drugs and all this type of stuff It's horrible, but it also – look at how many people, they see something and they go, I'm going to watch something else. They just don't have the drive to care because it's just all shoved in their face so much, which sucks. And I mean we're seeing a lot of like damage to that with my generation and probably younger generations as well too. And social media is the same thing. The number of videos I can watch of people being exploded and drone strikes and things that we should be caring about, but – Oh, they just don't want to look at it. They want to go to something that they want to watch that's going to make them feel good because they are just constantly being shoved with bad influence.
1: Right? It sucks. Well, it's very, you know, it's, it's, I think I learned this from, I think, yeah, you know, it's like hopeless. You know, they, they want, you know, alienation is the major disease of capitalism. And it looks to me, and from what you're saying that the youth of the united states of america racist military empire are anesthetized are alienated totally and that's what capitalism wants that's what the cia wants and so you know they they the the, the wisers of them the the more let you know dope be legal in most states um uh, because they re- they think that you know the more dope you take the less you'll want to fight, and we know that the CIA has distributed through you know through their 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 network, hate Ashbury clinics. You know, uh, not pot, of course. You don't. You don't. No, really, they did LSD in those hate Ashbury clinics. The more, in San you know, they did coke. They did they did crack. Damn. They did crack in Watts. I was in the Watts revolt in nineteen. 19- 65. And, and later they, you know, when blacks were really, you know, lots, lots of blacks were fighting and, and, uh, they, you know, they, they, they helped stop many blacks from fighting by d- delivering, you know, crack. That's also why the CIA still wants to be in Afghanistan because they've got a lot of co- a, a, a poppy. They've got heroin. It's heroin. Yeah.
0: That's why we're, that's and, why some people believe we're in Vietnam too. And I believe it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, a C- an ex-CIA look at uh, Cam, that recently just came out. An ex-CIA guy, you know, just uh, comes out and admits that, that that was a major reason for Vietnam. It wasn't the only reason, but it was one reason. And, and we know, even in those days, uh, we knew that they were uh, taking dead U.S. soldiers and cutting them up and putting, you know, coke, uh, uh, opium oh, in, the their, in their tree. bodies, you know. And you know they're, they're 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 willing to do anything so that's why i've become misanthropic i think that it was a mistake of nature that the homo sapiens came out of of uh hominids that were sharing loving people they they're called the uh, uh, heliobarginus people <laughs> heliobarginus and well it's a long story but at any rate we're a fucked up, we're a fucked up race and, uh, you know, a species. And it's too late. Uh, even Greta, this, this Swedish girl, you know, whom I thought a lot of, she wouldn't answer any of my emails. I said, you know, you've got to talk about the military. The biggest polluter is the military, even without the wars. And there are statistics on this, but with the wars, it's even greater than the greatest of polluters. But she never got into that. Most Greenpeace doesn't get into that. I was a volunteer activist with Greenpeace for two years. And the leaders finally told me, if we get into the wars in the military, we will go bankrupt. We won't get donations anymore from the middle and upper white middle class. You know, you can't talk about getting rid of wars to the upper middle class. Yeah. So, there, you know, there will never be a clean climate. And we're, you know, we're killing every day. We're eliminating one species after another species of insects and animals, et cetera. It's too late. It's literally too late. And and you know, and and the Pentagon and the Wall Street Giants, the Jeff Boses's and whatever else their names are, they're having multi-orgasms every day. They, they 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 there's it's impossible for them to even count how much money they they have. They don't even know how much money they have. And just some of that money could eliminate. Poverty for everybody. Yeah, I, I, all kinds of diseases. Yeah, and-
0: Bezos has $180 billion. I think he can spare $1 billion to be able to feed some people. But I can't expect that from someone like that either. That's the thing is I can't expect- but it's well- not to someone.
1: It's the system, Robbie. Yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: Careful, don't say that.
1: He's got, he's, he's, his son is going to take over, right? So that's one of the reasons why- we- we, sh- we shouldn't be going around, not that anybody is, but I mean, I mean, I would, I would like to be able to be able to do it. I have no personal qualms.
0: Hey, hey bah, 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 bah. come on now. We have YouTube guidelines we have to go by.
1: Oh, I can't do that. Well, you have to cut that out. But you know what? <laughs> they ought to be done. Well, if we really had any power, we should arrest them and make them pick cotton 12 hours a day, six days a week.
0: I'd love to. I'd love to sit and get a beer with you one day and just have just have it all out for a full day event. Well. I'd love to hear you rant, dude. I bet you got some good ones in here. I can tell you that once you've made me, dude, I appreciate your wisdom and perspective. I can tell you that much, you know, a lot more than me when it comes to some of the stuff, cause you were around to be able to experience it and see it happen in real time. I'm just trying to look back through history. And I think there's some basic recommended reading for a lot of people. And that's like the church committee. I would put that on everybody's like, I would get it posted up on my wall. I plan on it just because I think it really highlights whenever you get into these subjects and people can toss out conspiracy theory, or they can toss out misinformation or disinformation or any of these types of things. It's like, well, look, if someone has the information and document to back it up or if someone just is willing to have the conversation with it and here that person get to the point that you're calling a conspiracy or misinformation or disinformation they end up being like, oh shit, that actually makes a lot more sense. Like I talk about propaganda and films all the time. And I go, it's from a government standpoint, you know, scaring and doing all this fuels the war machine in a sense, but how far did they go? I mean, to the point where you're blacklisting people from Hollywood and doing so much that's going on, I start going, there's a real long beat up and a lot of people get this information like I do, and then they rant it. And when they rant it, it comes out in such a, chaotic type burst but then if you hear the person explain their opinion on it and how they got to that conclusion makes a hell of a lot more sense man like i just start showing people documents now i got them all saved on my phone or something i'd be like check this look at this cointel pro thing and then you read it and you tell me if you understand it and then when they read it like this is real i'm like yes and the government releases that that's the crazy part to me is they don't hide their shit as much as there is stuff that's probably hidden they post a lot of stuff on there. They just don't say anything about it, but you start reading that reading room and you're like, "Dude, what is going on with you guys?"
1: Yeah, yeah, they're there you know uh, uh, you you like history. you go you go back to the twenties, the great Gatsby. you know, um the the ruling class then kept themselves away from the public. Uh, you know, we we had a working class then that understood that they were members of a working class. There are very few workers that even understand that they're members of a working class. So they they hid themselves uh, basically. You know, they didn't have parties out for everybody to see. Uh, they did they didn't do this, this motherfucking so-called king of uh, England now. That was uh, you know it, it just spent a hundred million euros for his coronation in one day a hundred million euros they wouldn't have done things like that you know years ago they are now so brazen they now don't think that the young people are going to rise up and do them any harm so they they let us know a lot of things that they wouldn't have let us know before and they spend money just you know <laughs> i mean i don't even have the the, the words to explain uh and uh yeah. It, it ought to all be forbidden. It, you know, there ought to be a limit about how much money you can have. I mean, it, it, there ought to be a lot of things, you know. <laughs> I'm it's with... not going to happen unless your generation gets out. Because the next generation, it's already too late. I, ju- I just saw something about artificial intelligence where, who was it? Oh, this guy, Lee Camp. You know Lee Camp. Uh-uh. He's a U.S. comedian, satirist, like... Um, like uh, Randy Credico, you can learn something from
0: these guys. I mean, they I know a lot of comedians, but I haven't heard any of these guys. No, well,
1: okay, because you even mentioned
0: some of the greats, like George Carlin is a good one,
1: or you well, got, they're not the, the guys Richard I just Prior, mentioned
0: not, Bob Saget, Norm McDonald.
1: Well, the ones I'm mentioning are not mainstream, but they have YouTubes, just like you do, and they get on you know, um, they get on websites. So, this guy Lee Camp, the last thing I just saw. He talks about artificial intelligence and his conclusion is that in about 10 years, there are all kinds of jobs that are not going to exist any longer. And everything is going to be with robots and all these smartphones. I was in with my girlfriend, my girlfriend, she's 78, uh, to, um, to try to go to a movie yesterday. And they don't have descriptions of what the movies are in this movie theater. And I said, well, you know, what is that film all about? He says, go into Internet. I'm standing there before this man who works there, and he's telling me to go to internet. I went fucking bananas, and I ran out of the place. Then I went over to 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 hire a canoe. There's a little, uh, you know, he got me on that one. (laughs) a, a, A canoe, you know, there's a stream in this little town, and you can rent a canoe. You could some years ago. So I went. It had to be a tourist bureau. So I. I'm talking to this person and I say, I want to rent the canoe. And this person says to me, you have to go into internet. Now I don't take any, inter- I have a, I have my computer here. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not totally uh, a Neanderthal person. I still, I write and I, I, I didn't want to write on a computer, but I was forced to because they wouldn't take copy from a typewriter. So I have to have a computer, but I don't take it with me when I want to go to a movie. And I don't have a smart telephone. I thought I was supposed to be smart. But no, the smart telephone is smarter than me. And that's what they're saying. Somebody told me that the other day he went into a restaurant and a robot served him. I would have smashed the robot into pieces and run away.
0: God, I would pay a billion dollars to get a beer with you, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) Damn, dude, I, we could rant about this all day. There's some stuff I'll talk about, but there's some stuff that I, I won't talk, I won't say it on air, but <laughs> holy shit. Uh, look, Ron, you've given me, dude, we've been talking a lot longer than an hour, man, but do you want to um, promote your links, your books as well, too? You got Backfire right beside you, and then you got another book as well, too, that you would like to promote, the newer one. Um, and then I'll link your links in the description as well, too, just so everybody can be able to find them.
1: Okay, if you're going to cut something out, cut out there where i'm about to shoot somebody
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not, don't put that in there all right
1: i'll send you a couple uh links yeah
0: yeah show up well, your books real quick but so we can sign off here and then i'll so okay. we got your first book that, backfire well that's
1: my first book actually it, here that's
0: your second one
1: and uh, it's about nicaragua it's interviews with north americans living and working in the new nicaragua this was when the nicaraguan revolution started can you see the book
0: i can see your face
1: well, how do I get you to see the book?
0: Just raise the book up. Yank. Yep. There, I got you.
1: All right. Then, on the first page, right there, can you see that signature? Yeah. That's Fidel Castro. So that's a, that's a that's a memorial.
0: You know? Back it up a little bit. There you go.
1: He he supposedly read my book. I don't know if he read it. He skimmed through it. He wouldn't sign his autograph on my book if he didn't appreciate my book. That was my first book. That was printed in the United States and sold quite a bit. And then my second book is Backfire. This is about, uh, you know, I've already told you about Backfire. And I've written six books about Cuba. I've written, I think, 12 or 13 books. And this is the last I'll show. This is, in a way, my most important book, uh, along with Backfire, because it shows how it is that Russia tried very, very hard. Put your camera down, Sam. There you go. To be friends with the U.S., uh, to come into NATO, uh, to, to you know, and 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 gave them help, gave them help against Taliban. He he offered military bases for for Bush's military against Taliban, which I thought was a big mistake. Um, he tried tried twenty two years, and finally, you know, and and then you know, I don't know if you know, but in when Gorbachev and Reagan were, you know, making this very important uh, nuclear arms reduction, which Trump tore up, Uh, 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 he wanted to stop NATO. He said, okay, we'll stop the Soviet Union, we'll stop Warsaw Pact, if, uh, if you'll just stop NATO, you know, at least don't, you can have NATO up to Germany, and you don't have any more NATO. Bush and Baker, his Secretary of State, said, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of evidence on what I'm telling you. And then, of course, they lied. And that's why finally, uh, you know, and they start and they got every Warsaw country that had been in the Warsaw Pact. They got them into NATO. They got fr- previous uh, republics, uh, NATO, Soviet republics, into NATO. They want to get Ukraine into NATO, Finland into NATO, Sweden, you know, Sweden and, and Georgia, etc. So, you know, he had to defend his country. And I, I, tell you in this book about what I just said, and I and I sh- show in that book. Uh, how Ukraine became a neo-fascist state? They've outlawed every political party. They've outlawed all kinds of media. Uh, they, 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 a political party that had ten percent of the, uh, uh, the, the 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 parliament, they outlawed. They they've outlawed. Uh, you, know, they've just, you know, they have just you know they they have no democracy. And I think, as you said earlier, uh, just a couple three years ago. The, you know, the Guardian, New York Times, even was saying it's the most corrupt government in Europe. Well, they don't want to say that anymore because the Pentagon and the CIA decided there has to be this war against Russia. Well, you know, it, 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 it and that's what, and they put Kissinger on this list because Kissinger said, you know, he's, he's he just turned a hundred years old. I'm not saying anything positive about Kissinger. He was one of the worst of all criminals, but at least he's intelligent. And he says, if you're going to create a nuclear war, with Russia and China, you're you're going to kill the whole human race. They don't they don't even want that to be said any longer. That's no longer allowed to even be talked about. They've threatened this man Kissinger, a hundred years old. He created the coup against Allende, the most popularly elected Democrat, you know president in the Chile's history, and he was a socialist. They wouldn't allow socialism in Chile. They're not going to allow socialism anyway. But but Russia's not even socialist any longer. It's capitalist. But it's a major competitor, you see. It's a competitor. China is a better capitalist than the United States. They give better deals to the people that they deal with. Most of Africa and most of Asia w- w- are dealing with them and want to deal with them because they get better deals. The United States always shits on everybody. It's a moral junkyard. It's a fucking moral junkyard.
0: You got to stop cursing. You keep making me laugh every time you do it. I don't know why it's funny, but every time you say it, it just cracks me up. Um, no, it's it's a it, it's a problem. I know. Um, I'm. We can do a whole other episode on Russia if you'd like. Uh, But let's keep this one uh, for what we've discussed so far throughout, even though it's a little bit scattered all over the place, which I appreciate because that's the point of conversation is kind of not having a script and just talking about how you feel about things and having the perspective. And I really appreciate you giving me the time to do so. I'm going to link your books in the description, all the Amazon links. Everything you got is going to be in the description of this video for people to be able to click and follow. And, man, I do appreciate the time. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast.